Welcome to the Modern Savage Podcast. This is episode seven. My guest today is a man of many pursuits. He is a musician, videographer, and producer, in addition to being an outdoorsman, hunter, and conservationist, who has spent the past two years living on a co-op farm and immersing himself in the do-it-yourself lifestyle in order to experience a deeper sense of satisfaction and meaning in his life than what conventional society currently provides. Please welcome my friend Cole. Awesome. All Cheers. Right. Cheers, brother. <laughs> Cheers. Mm. So, diving right back in. Yeah. So, you grow up on a hobby farm. Like, what does that mean? Well, to me, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like, hobby farm is like something that has like a cow or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and they're kind of what did they mean? Like, stuff. What was what was your folks' farm like? Um, it was honestly just land. Okay. How much? And... It was about the one I grew up on was like twenty acres. Twenty acres. Um, and and what did you guys do? Did you guys? We basically boarded two horses. Okay. Um, and then the rest was like for my my dad, huge into like upland bird hunting, and so he always okay. he always had dogs, like German now, did you guys? So we had like dogs. I love GSPs. You know, right I love yeah. GSPs. Yeah. Did you? So upland bird. Did you guys um, raise them and stock them? Were they all native? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, okay. That so basically, growing up where I was, mm-hmm. they were kind of stocked, but also native okay. where we were. When we're talking upland, just pheasants. Oh yeah, or sorry. What are we... <laughs> I didn't clarify. It's all good. Um, yeah, so pheasants in the area that I was in, the like Columbia County area, but mm-hmm. we would also go up north all the time for grouse. Okay, for grouse. Yeah, I think yeah, I think grouse hunting is probably. Have you ever tried to archery grouse hunt? No, but I. I feel like I would really like it. I have not yet done it either, and I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. I've I, done, like, been out with grousers. Like, I'm like, I can hit that with my bow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they make some of the most interesting noise, too. Like, it, I'm not going to try and, like, replicate it, but if for I those of you that. that are listening, like, you should definitely, like, find a video mm-hmm. of the sound that a grouse makes. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, it's this crazy sound. Yeah. It's, um, my wife and I were up. My parents have a place up by like Flambeau, mm-hmm. um, and it was just like in the distance, and I was just like, "What?" I'm like, "Someone like four, like driving a four wheeler trying to get something started, whatever." Uh-huh. And then I was like, "Oh wait, that's a like that's a grouse." That's a grouse. Like I totally forgot about it because like the only time I've ever heard it when I was really growing up was mm-hmm. them flying away, which is terrifying. Just like <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden you see something fly out. But There's yeah, what I you know. Um, when I first, and this was years and years ago, started getting into, like, really heavily getting into hunting, um, a lot of the places that I would go, they would have quail on them. Mm. And so if you've never had the experience of trying to sneak into the woods, like, in the dark and having a covey of quail, like, explode at your feet, oh, my God, I thought I'd need to do pants. You know, like, all of a sudden, yeah. like, you take a step and 20 birds just come erupting up yeah. out of the ground. And they're fast when they get up. Super fast. Yeah. Super fast. I mean, you can see why, like, I've never really gotten into upland hunting myself, but, like, mm-hmm. you can see why people get into it. I mean, it's a good time. Oh, yeah. And the food's great, too. Because oh. it's, like, that's, like, the best, like, if people are, you know, curious about wild food and they've never had it because you can't buy it, you right. know, that's, like, the best, like, in. It's, like, oh, yeah, it's chicken. Okay. So, if you had to point to somebody and say, like, hey, you've never tried wild game before. All right. For, uh, Let's take a let's take a brief detour here. 
I think it's interesting that most people don't know that you cannot buy wild game. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, I've had I've had elk at a restaurant. You're like, not the same thing. Yeah. So, and the advertising around that stuff drives me nuts because they try to skirt it right. so bad. Right. Yeah. And like, oh, you like you go someplace. You're like, oh, I've got elk sticks. You're like, yeah. This was raised on mm-hmm. a farm. Yeah. The like, only wild food is like invasive, like boars. Correct. That's properly wild. So you cannot. They can sell. sell wild game commercially in a restaurant mm-hmm. there's a or there's, even two person to person correct but especially a restaurant yes or a grocery store and so like but a lot of people don't know that mm-hmm. there's actually a law and I, I used to know the actual statute but so when you go unless you actually went out and killed that animal yourself mm-hmm. or received it as a gift from someone who did yep that is not a wild animal. No, it's a farm. It's yeah. just like your cow. So if you were going to point to someone, though, and say, this should be, if you're going to have this wild meat, this would be your number one introduction into this, what would you point people to? I I would actually probably go, well, I mean, it's funny because I do this a lot. Right. Um, when you say this, you mean you try and introduce people to it? Yeah. Or I, I, this, I mean, feed people wild food. Right. And because, that's something that you and I very much yeah. have in common. Like, I just had a conversation with a buddy's wife the other day, and um, I, I brought him some venison because mm-hmm. I just, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I just went and picked up all my stuff from this past fall. Um, and I said, hey, you know, you guys should come over. I'd love to cook for you. And so I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, are you, you know, do you eat meat? She's like, yeah. I'm like, why would you not try this? And she had just had um, some, apparently an experience that she didn't enjoy where, like, it was real gamey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's all in how it's butchered, handled, and prepared. Oh, yeah. And if you're touching it the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you point people to? Um, well, I do it most often with venison. Um, usually just like a standard steak okay. thing. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of done that pretty well. And it's all, I've noticed, on, it's all on me. Like if I, like, oh, that was like backstrap, I, I like cut perfectly. Like people are just like, oh, this is amazing. And then like. If it's like a, like a, another cut that I like maybe didn't get like certain stuff out of, mm-hmm. people are like, oh yeah, that's great, and like tune out a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, that was me. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of work with the deer. Um, it is. Yeah. You do all your stuff yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then that wasn't. I mean, I grew up doing that. Sure. And then I kind of geared toward my dad. All of a sudden, somehow, I you know, he's old age, whatever. He started just taking into a butcher, but it's like mm-hmm. it was a friend or whatever. You know, sure. it's like whatever. And then so like that was like kind of a routine for a little bit, and then I was like, wait, I, mean, I totally forgot how to do this, and then I just kind of wanted to do it myself. And then there's been scenarios where it's like 80 degree day in September, bow hunting, and it's like, oh, I don't have the stand alone freezer to yeah. get this thing hung up. Luckily, in the farm I live at now, we have, really? a, we have a walking cooler. Stop it. And I we had egg tags this year. No kidding. So I got a deer in June and July. Explain what that <laughs> is to people. Oh, yeah. So the DNR in Wisconsin, if you have um, like a business or a agriculture business you, and you have deer that are nuisance, which mm-hmm. you kind of have to prove, mm-hmm. uh, which we did, um, you can get issued uh, egg nuisance tags where you can hunt basically all year round to some extent. There's a lot of weird little regulations and they change from farm to farm. And it's still one animal per tag. Yep. Yeah, and, and how, it's antlerless too. How do you go about proving nuisance? 
Um, basically, we just did photo evidence. We had actually a DNR biologist come to our farm too, okay. which was dope. I had fun with that, like just picking his brain and. Those people are so cool. Yeah, I tell you what, man, and that's like that's an agency that does not nearly get enough credit. Oh no, but they get a lot of flack, and it's like I feel bad. Well, I think <laughs> it's one of those things that like people need to, especially if you're into the outdoors in any capacity, no matter what it is. I mean, like you, you want to be a bird watcher or whatever it is that you might do. If you don't realize that the DNR is the group of guys and girls that are out there 365 trying to look after like the you know the wild places that we all love and they're in it too for sure and usually like i don't think i've ever had a bad experience with them ever no yeah neither have I. It just the most down-to-earth reasonable people they mm-hmm. they love all the same things that we love they're so passionate about it yeah. and they're usually like incredibly like well versed in it oh yeah and that's why i trust i trust them oh yeah by, and that's why I like, obey all the regulations and all that stuff because it's like, oh, yeah, you did your research, which is insane. Right. And, you know, like hundreds of people and millions of dollars worth of stuff to figure out how many walleyes I can catch. Yeah. And why, you know? Absolutely. So I think for a long time that kind of stuff was, um, you know, just neglected. Mm-hmm. I just on both sides of the fence. Yeah, it was like, I, I think that the government agencies perhaps were not as involved in it as as maybe they should have oh, been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I also think that people like you know hunters and fishermen just there was a lot of maybe disregard mm-hmm. for a lot of those things, and it was just like or or there weren't even regulations in place where it's just like yeah, have at it. Yeah. So it's good to see that people on on both like I said both sides of that are coming together in in order to sort of like protect. And I think you're seeing the the positive effects of that. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I point to is like the toast. Like, so we have these turkeys. And oh toast yeah. Out. I was just talking to my wife before we were driving. Like, this is where they were. It's crazy. I mean, like they're <laughs> all over the place and the DNR had to come in and yeah. actually remove some of them. I know. And then there was a protest. Oh really? Against it. Oh oh yeah. I like, remember when that happened. Cause I looked up the article and I'm like, I want to see what you're saying about this. It was. Like, I want to see what verbiage you used. Crazy. And I was like, like the, I'm like, well, what happened to the turkey? And like, wait, talk at the bottom. They were donated to the, like a local food pantry or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. So like yeah, by this point you admitted that they are now food. Right. Where over here you glossed over it and like they were like dealt with or I forget what, what words they use. People, anyway. are, people are real touchy about stuff. I mean, like, you know, you and I look at it and it's, you know, nature is to be respected, revered, you know, partaken in and all these kinds of things. But like mm-hmm. we're active participants in it. Other people are are on other parts of the map with that. And when all that went down, there were people that were riled up. And I mean, it was signs and it was out on the street and this whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I'm like, oh, these people must have not a lot yeah. of stuff to do if you're out here, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. They're Whatever. the ones that want the turkeys, but are feeding them, which is illegal and technically going against Wisconsin's uh, animal harassment law. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it's right in, like, Wisconsin state law, like, don't feed, you know, whatever. And it's super specific wildlife. Right. Aside from songbirds. But it's like, I there's the people that we live by, um, and I kind of called him out a little bit to the DNR when he was over. Yeah, the the biologist. Um, but they have wildlife sanctuary signs everywhere. Do not trespass or whatever. And, sure. I, and I was talking with the DNR guy, and I, I'm like, that's just like them saying that, right? He's like, yeah, you know. And because he asked me, he's like, did you talk to them? Do they know you're like hunting a bunch over here, or whatever? Right. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But they feed so many animals really and it's funny that they have the wildlife sanctuary but they're they're violating the 
wildlife harassment law. Right. Well, it's just, I like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't pick and choose yeah. what you do. You know what I mean? Like, either you're going to follow the letter of the law or you're not going to follow the letter mm-hmm. of the law. You or you're just, oblivious, too. Like, they might not even know. Right. But I, I just think that people, you know, people will choose to look down their noses at certain things and then turn a blind eye to others. And you're like, hey, man, like, that's not how it works. You know, you can't just sort of make up whatever it is you want to do as you go along. You kind of, there's a reason these rules and regulations are in place. Yeah. So, okay, so you've fed venison to most people, but yep. if you had to point to one thing, it would yeah, be what? Coming back. Um, I think it would be rabbit because... Really? Yeah. Okay, that I didn't see coming. Yeah, because it's my go-to... I've been, like, mentoring a lot of people, too, to get into hunting. Like, okay. Especially, like, a lot of folks that are, like, older, older than me, um, they just have been curious about it mm-hmm. and, like, um, want, you know, like, want to participate in it. And it's... For a lot of people, it's, like, a firearm... Sure. thing it's like the the whole like gravity of taking a life and then mm-hmm. what do i do with this thing sure so it's like to me it's like a great animal to so get they... someone comfortable with a gun and then show them a very quick process to making a food. furry animal that you just killed right into food so there's a lot to unpack there so mm-hmm. so the first thing is people come to you and they want to learn how to hunt have they not yet given like thought to the fact that like they will need some either you know the animal is going to depart this world one way or the other whether it's like by a gun or a bow Mm -hmm. they didn't they and they're still sort of uncomfortable with that is it just that barrier to entry where they've never done it before it's yeah i think it's that okay for sure because that like everyone that's done is you know eats meat like uh, consciously right. and like knows what it is and right. what it takes to get it to some extent. Mm-hmm. You don't really know until you do it. Really. Right. Um, but yeah, so th- I mean, they know that, but yeah, it's, it's probably someone that, you know, has never killed anything. Sure. Which is well, pretty that's a, crazy. Uh, I is mean, it though? No, it's crazy to do it. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know that it's crazy to do it. You know, I think maybe only in like the modern context. Yeah. I, I was thinking emotionally. Um, okay. Like, this is a roller, about that. roller coaster for me. No, I'm, I'm, I want to, that's, I, I agree with you, but like, go ahead. Like, tell me like what you mean by that. And like, how sort of, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So, because I think that that's a very, very important thing that does not get discussed a lot about when it comes to hunting. And yeah. I think that that is for me, for you, I know, mm-hmm. um, is at the center of all of it. Oh yeah. So talk about that a little yeah. bit. And it's like a moment, but it is that, it's that moment you're talking about. Absolutely. For the, you know, but yeah, it's like you get, you know, you practice all season, you know, with your bow, especially bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're ready. You think you're ready. You think you're ready. You know, like, Oh, I'm dialed in. This is great. And then all of a sudden you're in the moment, you see like a flash of something mm-hmm. and then you get your heart gets racing and then you're like, oh, oh. And then depending on like a tag How do you whatever. explain that moment to people that haven't oh. been in it yet? Because <laughs> that's a hard one. what I tell people is that there's a moment that's going to come where a part of you that you don't even know is there, but that has been there for millennia is going to awaken. And it's going to be a very like profound moment. And like you may not be able to manage it you know people like oh buck fever like that's 
No, I feel like that's a garbage term. Yeah, you're horny for horns or something. Something like that. You know, where it's like you get this big adrenaline dump. And yes, that does happen. But like there's so much more to it than that. Mm -hmm. It's you you are the human. The human animal is a predatory animal. That's just how we evolved. And we moved away from that. You know, we got into like agriculture Mm -hmm. and then industry and all of a sudden, food came from a store as opposed to from the field, or from yeah. the forest. In a small moment in time of human history. Very small. <laughs> and I think that we, we lost, or not lost, but I think one of the most important and beautiful parts of what we are as a creature went dormant. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you can go all the way down that rabbit hole as far as like satisfaction of life or like loss of connection to the world around you, whatever. But someone has this interest where, hey, I think I want to do this. And someone like yourself tries to walk them through. For example, I've I've done the same thing for several people. I got a buddy that's just down the block. And he's like, hey, I I, I would like to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there's no way to, I think, articulate appropriately that moment that you're referring to, where yeah. all of the practice and the shooting of the paper targets or the whatever fades, and now you are in like a mortal moment with this, whatever it is, yeah. a deer, a rabbit, an elk, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And you have to make the conscious decision of, I am choosing to kill this animal and that that is the to me is the moment is that decision yeah it's the like because like if you get like a like i was saying before like you get a glimpse of something it's like you get a little flutter right and it's like you know a little bit of adrenaline like okay am i prepared to do this right now because it could happen right any second right and then you know you process that and then you see it, and maybe like you only have a buck tag or whatever, and it's a doe. Mm-hmm. And then you, you all of a sudden it just goes way down. Like mm-hmm. okay, and then you're just chilling, hanging out, watching animals. Right. And then yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, what's behind there? And then you're like, okay, here it is. Right. And then you get up to that moment, and then you make the decision of like, it's 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 like it's kind of just like nerves, almost like nerve, like, I mean I don't know, it's so different. Like even like playing like a stage with like thousands of people, which I've yeah. done and like screened a film and, you know, taken an animal. They're all, it's kind of all in the same realm of like on the nerve spectrum. What's well, an extreme of, of emotion. Yeah. But it's, this is like the hunting experiences on like anything because it is, it's, you know, there's no audience. Mm-hmm. It's just you. Mm hmm. And well, maybe like a couple squirrels or something, but, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, you know, you're taking a life that you, you know, it will become food, which is like the main, the main reason, um, to be out there. Um, that whole roller coaster is just crazy, but yeah, I can't, I'm like flubbing up trying to describe no, it because I mean, like, it's exactly it is. The it's thing. one of those things where, like, you experience it, you feel it. It's one of those things. I always said that. Um, I think uh, making a bit of a sort of a, a tangential route to get to to my point here. You know, it's like art. Mm-hmm. Art is one of those things where it 
allows you to physically manifest something that you don't have words for, right? A great song, a great painting, whatever it might be, it captures an emotion in a way that words alone cannot, right? And what we're talking about here is one of those extremely powerful moments that is possible in a human life. And it used to be much more common, but I think that, you know, as you said, people look around and they hear, I think it got perversed a lot too. There's a lot of people out there that hunt for all the wrong reasons. And I think that that, unfortunately, like everything else gets, you know, the negative always gets the publicity. Oh, yeah. And it, it sort of, it, it puts a bad name on something that's really beautiful mm-hmm. and amazing. And all the people, you know, and that, that you and I know and associate with or would associate with in this realm do it for the right reasons. Totally. And then when Which you're- it's hard to find. Very. That's how we found each other, really. Correct. 100%. <laughs> that's exactly how you and I became friends. Yeah. But I think that when you're out there, like, and you're at some gathering or whatever, and there's people around, and obviously, you know, this is something you do year-round, something that I do year-round. Mm-hmm. People know that. And they maybe they have a curiosity. Mm-hmm. They're like- Hey, you know, tell me a little bit about this or where do you go or what do you do or what does that entail or, hey, you know, I'd be kind of curious to try that out. And it's interesting because I think that there's there's a lot of people that say that they want to do it and then that really sort of thins out to the people that are willing to make the investment, not just in the I'm going to buy the tag or I'm going to buy the equipment, but in the I'm going to go scout. I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to train. I mean, like, I mean, how many arrows do you think you shoot in the preseason? I mean, thousands, yeah. oh, thousands, yeah, yeah. easily, yeah, right, yeah. And all of that time that's just for the opportunity, for the potential of an opportunity. Totally. You had seasons go by oh, where yeah. you didn't even draw your bull back. Yeah. So have I. You spent the whole year preparing, and mm-hmm. you just right. Yeah. So the people that you have taken out, like, what has that been like for you? To teach someone yeah taking them out it's been like specific like if you just you know hone in on a species and if it's someone that's never done the whole take a life you know butcher things a lot of people i found out are really curious about the butchering process oh yeah um which i can speak to that regarding the farm yeah later on um but yeah it's been good like someone that's never you know really shot a gun but you give them a 22 and it's kind of like a little like to me, it's, it's like scary. a little no, it's like a little staple gun, and it's like people, you know, video games. People yeah. have been playing video games forever. They're kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like the dude I took out. He like played video games a lot, and he was like almost better shot than me. <laughs> and he was just like, he's like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. Like just, and he's like, let's go. Right. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, you're kind of ready. Yeah. You know, and like just the whole functioning thing. The biggest thing, because I did all this on. Um, under the mentorship program okay. in Wisconsin where it's like a five, they just have to pay $5 and I have to be an arm's length away from them. Right. But they can go without doing hunter safety and all that stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's why, because that's a huge thing. A lot of people that before that, or before I kind of realized that I could do that, um, that's a huge hiccup for people. It's like, I have to get a gun. I have oh, to yeah. get a bow. I have to go through hunter safety. I have to do that. I'm like, no, you can actually just come hang out with me for a day. Right. So, you know, did that and like, but yeah, they, I'm just thinking of this buddy in particular um, that I took out, and he 
we were basically just chomping around the woods, just trying to kick up um, a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of, you know, I think we both had 22s. I didn't do any shotguns or anything like that. Um, and we're just hitting brush piles and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it ended up, he never actually got a rabbit, but like at the end of the day, I was like, oh, well, you know, you're going to learn your hunting experience that you don't always get something. But like at the very end, we ended up getting one. Okay. Um, and then he was like, oh, okay. You know, and like, and like, like I was the one that got it. So he didn't really have that barrier right. broken. Um, but he still felt it and he was super intrigued. He's like, oh, okay, where is it? I'm like, I'm like, you know, I stood right where I was. I'm like, yeah, it's right over there. So he had like fun trying to find it. Right. And then looking at it. And then we like, um, I think we were, it was like winter out and I just ended up, uh, skinning it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and just showing him that right there in the field. Yeah. And he was like, and he was really like almost like science biology class. Like, Oh, what's this? You know, like, right. like taking apart the animal and doing all that stuff. Which, and he was like, super intrigued. And then he, I get, you know, gave him the rabbit. Yeah. And he cooked it for his wife when he got home. And, you know. Is it something that he pursued after that? Um, well, it was right before the pandemic. So got I don't it. really know. I did. Um, he's still a, a colleague of mine at work. Was on a job with him recently. And he was like, oh, yeah, I got. My dad gave me a shotgun. And I got to gotta go take it to, the, like, the like gunsmith or whatever to see, to see you know make sure it's firing right but he's like he's still into into it Good. but I, he's never been i don't think out in the field yet there's a big there's a big barrier to entry i think that if you haven't ever done it before there's a lot to to get familiar with um but it's good to see that people are are expressing an interest in that like um you know a couple the the shop that i shoot for um you know past years have been like record sales years for him because all of a sudden everybody's home and everyone's like well it's you know it's time to figure something else out or learn a new skill or something yeah. like that so that's good to see i hope that i hope that people stick with it i think that you know that, that those issues need a voice mm-hmm. and otherwise you know if you're not passionate about something that's not anything that you're going to like stand up for or vote on or you know get involved with so i think that that's that's good to see mm-hmm. so so you grew up on the hobby farm. Dad's an upland bird hunter. You know, you get into it, and then you went to college for what was your degree actually in? It was just film, BFA in film. Just film, okay. Yeah. So you get into film, you get into music all at the same time, mm-hmm. and playing music, playing in bands, doing all these things, and at the same time doing freelance advertising. So actually, what does that entail? So, well, I'm still just a like filmmaker. So, okay. just filming, like shooting. I okay. don't know, there's a lot of different terms. Yeah. Um and yeah, so like so like basically job title would be like cinematographer editor. Okay. okay. So, yeah, basically like I'll shoot and then I edit my own stuff usually. It's just super efficient that way. Okay. Um and I've done I've been doing that since like high school. Like I was teaching like video editing when I was in high school. How would you get into that? <laughs> like what was I it just, about it? I got well. I've oh, I've always done it like when I just you know infant V like V VCR camcorder yeah and like making in in camera edits with my buddy yeah just always done it and then like I kind of progressed or like I grew up with like oh computers now can handle video right and this can you know so yeah and then one one day like my communications teacher just bought Final Cut Pro which was like the big fancy software okay and he had no idea how to use it and he's like. Here you go, figure it out. And then I figured it out when I was like a sophomore. Yeah. And was like editing like the compilation videos at high school. And then he he's like, Okay, you're teaching the video side, I'm teaching this CAD side of stuff. 
So like I That's just cool. yeah, I was just like teaching kids how to like make videos, and then he was teaching kids how to like make crazy. And this is like games. back like so two thousand yeah probably two thousand like four five six. So that's kind of like when like things like YouTube were really starting to blow up. Yeah, or just like just the surface. Like there's like one or two videos where people are like, oh, did you see this on this thing? You know? Right. Yeah, totally. And like when GoPros like jumping off and things like that. Yeah. I mean that we was the first GoPro. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of stuff. I mean, no matter what you're into, like my, I guess first foray into all that was surfing videos. Ooh, nice. Because surfers were like making this stuff like way back in the day. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like some of those they early, they vinti- had to do it themselves, right? These early vintage surf videos. If you look at some of that stuff from like the '60s and '70s, you know, like they were shooting with like those little hand reel to reels. Um, you know, guys that were you know out in Hawaii before anybody else was out there, and some of that stuff is is phenomenal. But then when it came along that like people started having the opportunity to, to to expand into whatever it was like all of a sudden like there were never any hunting videos before oh yeah right and like there were some like rock climbing videos or whatever mm-hmm. but all of a sudden it just went crazy yeah there's so much content out there and the quality of what's out there mm-hmm. is amazing like i would almost rather sit and watch like, if i was like oh, i'm gonna i want to watch something i would just flip through youtube oh that's what i've been doing like it's it's pretty crazy because my dad he always gave me a lot of shit because he would get home from work and I'd be like on the computer doing whatever. He's like, oh, what are you doing on there? You know, and then it was like dial-up days. And he's like, I'm yeah. expecting a phone call or whatever. And then, you know. We, the dial-up yeah. days. Oh, my so God. So he was just like always grumpy about it. And now I get home and he's just, he, that's the first thing he does. And he's just on YouTube is watching. And he just like. He like loves the content well, because like, I mean, there's nothing up, you can't learn oh, on that. So great, yeah. People like building like cabins up north. Yeah, like the up north lifestyle. He's like just like diving into it. What got my old man was um, crazy. You know, we were sitting there one time, and I'm like, because my dad's also like very. He's a curious cat, mm-hmm. and he's one of those guys where like when I was growing up, he would just figure out how to do stuff on his own, whatever it was, like you know, plumbing or or electrical or anything. He just you know he'd get a book. And he would read it up and he would, you know, figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, hey, I was like, you know that there's, you know, this thing called YouTube and like you can look up whatever you want. And he's like, they got things that like, and, you know, we have a farm too. And his thing is he loves old tractors. And he's like, they have anything on this year, this model tractor? Like super specific. Super specific. <laughs> and I yep. plug it in and there's like, there's like 20 videos on it. And you, like his eyes about popped out of his head. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. So now, I mean, like he's all about it and he's got it and he's, you know, this and that and this engine or this, you know, accessory or anything you might be. Mm-hmm. I, th- that to me, I think is the coolest thing about oh, it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of negatives to the internet, but that is a huge, in my opinion, a huge yeah, positive. It's, it's almost overwhelming. It like, is. Like, I mean, that's kind of like up in the farm as I'm like fixing stuff, weird old like yeah. mowers and ATVs yeah. and whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to find. But it's like, it's pretty overwhelming with how much information there is. It's like, I, what a great thing. It's like, you know, I need to know how to rebuild a carburetor on oh, this. Yeah. And there it is. And there's somebody out there that's like, welcome to Bob's carburetor class. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to talk you out of step by step. That's the greatest thing. Yeah. It's the greatest thing because where else would you, I mean, how could you, you'd have yeah. to drive around or call around or find some shop that did yeah, this and pay go for in there. Someone, right. Yeah. And now you can do it all yourself. Yeah. I, what, it's pretty crazy that a lot of that's like just, people are just like doing it like, just so you know, here yeah, you go. Yeah, this is it. 
hey. I'm doing this. You should know too. I mean, I can't <laughs> even begin to point at the number of things in the past decade that I have learned in that specific way, directly through that medium. Mm-hmm. And it's just the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And, and everybody, like, you know, somebody made the argument, like, why would you ever go to college anymore? You know, like, you just, this, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all right here. Yeah. No matter what you want to know, this is it. Mm-hmm. You just take your class right here. Yeah. What gets me about, like, what, what you do and, you know, uh, people like yourself is the quality of, is the quality. Like, I was watching, like, um, a couple of base jumping videos the other day. But the the like the quality of the video, the way that it's edited, mm-hmm. the music to it. It's there's the still angles, like huge, it is yeah. unbelievable. Even though like people are doing like people are I mean you can watch you know videos from a phone and whatever and it's well, like even it's, the like, phones. it's like oh yeah. Do you remember like I remember like early 2000s when I had like one of my first digital cameras and it was like 2 megapixels or something like that and yeah, people wow. were like wow, it yeah. was like this this revolutionary thing. I don't even know how many my phone has yeah, now, but yeah. it, like it, it's something preposterous. It's like way beyond that. It's pretty crazy, right? But yeah, there's a lot. There's still it's still an art form, and it always will be. Cause right? It's, yeah, I think so. I mean, people always look at like GoPro. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they obviously like that is their whole bag. Did, is that a company that you look at and you're like, yeah, they've done some really, really cool things as far as from the editing side of the house? I mean, some of their films I think are amazing. Is there anybody else that you point to where you're like, these people also do some great stuff? I don't know. My whole media consumption's pretty like all over the board. Sure. Like music-wise, I like really busy, crazy sounding stuff. Sure. That some people are like, oh, this makes me uneasy, but it, like makes me calm. Sure. Hey, man, <laughs> and then there's... video, mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost been the opposite where like I really got into this like slower paced stuff. Sure. But there's uh, this group out of Canada called From the Wild. Okay. And you can only like buy their stuff on Vimeo, which okay. I think is amazing as like another filmmaker. Like, sure. Like direct money into their pocket mm-hmm. no you know whatever and they can put out as much content as they have and it's basically a bunch of dudes in their like 30 40s kind mm-hmm. of re-learning and throwing themselves in fully to like the you know canadian wilderness and like hunting and fishing and then they bring in like this food scene like this foodie scene like top chefs you know in their area because they're connected that way and that's right. what that like that, that's what they're and they're they're part of a production company. Like this guy runs a production company, mm-hmm. so it like looks amazing. Right. But it's like slow paced, and he does all the music too. So he does like everything, and it's really it's a really cool. It's amazing stuff. how many videos like that are getting huge traction out there. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think that there's a very interesting conversation to have as far as like what people are yearning for. You know, if you look at there is a, a gentleman somewhere in Canada that that started off by buying himself this small piece of ground and started off by building like a very simple cabin, but filming the entire thing, like did it all by like, by Oh hand. yeah. I've seen that. And yeah. Builds his cabin and talks to people. And at the same time, he's like, he's going on, he's hunting and he's fishing, but people just started watching this guy's videos mm-hmm. by like the thousands and then the tens of thousands and then the hundreds of thousands and then the millions. And it became this, this guy's, life became his job because people just wanted to watch what he was doing Mm -hmm. but there's so much of that out there now where it's just like 
gardening channels or all these kinds of things and people just wanting to sort of like, as you said, slow it down. Yeah. You know, like the high speed low drag stuff, like, yeah, that's always going to be cool, but not 24 seven. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I, I like it a lot from, from a filmmaker's point of view. Cause like that, um, the visual album that I was talking about yeah. is that I was super inspired from that. Really? Um, and it's just, it's slow. And so I just call it, it's just slow, but it, I feel like it gives the viewer more control. How so? Because they get to sit there with, like, you know, a slow-moving thing, no edits, no whatever, and they mm-hmm. can take in everything mm-hmm. and look at it from, the from like, their point of view and see something new. That's cool. It's almost like a still, like a still photography type thing or, like, an art exhibit where you're, like, looking at this thing. And then... It allows you to sort of, like, reflect on it is what you're saying. Yeah, and, like, really absorb it versus, like... Here's a shot. Here's a shot. Here's a shot. And yeah. like jamming it down the viewer's throat. You know what I mean? That's a really interesting point because I was just uh, talking about with somebody. Like I have a really hard time watching mainstream television. Oh yeah. Like it makes me. It actually makes me sort of uneasy mm-hmm. because it's just this like machine gun like blast of like sights and sounds and just coming at you and it's just overstimulation you're like this is not you know I, I made the analogy that uh, one time that people asked me I used to live in New York City and they're like how'd you like it and I said in certain respects I liked it a great deal in other respects I, I didn't like it at all and they're like well what didn't you like about it and I said there's just too much going on there's constantly movement sound flashing lights like you're always on like alert your brain is not didn't evolve to, to, to be with oh, that. Yeah. You like to deal with that kind of thing. You know, you evolved to be in, you know, nature where if there was like a loud noise, like it drew your attention because there was a reason. You're like, oh, I need to pay attention to this loud noise. That's not constantly like that. You know what I mean? So you watch these commercials now and it's just someone screaming and music and, and flashing something and it's like buy this product and then immediately from that it's on to the next thing. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's just, it's, so I, yeah, yeah, I don't like it (laughs) at all. Yeah. So you, for people who don't know, um, Cole is part of a co-op. And talk a little bit about that. Talk about how you joined it, what it is, what you guys do. Um, Because I've had, I've discussed that with a couple people and like, what exactly is that? And I was like, well, he's going to be on on the podcast, so I'll let him talk about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, I'm part of a co-op in like, yeah, just north of Milwaukee. Explain to people what a co-op is. Yeah, so it's basically like cooperative living um, situation, and it's also a cooperative farm. So like anyone can really become a member. So it's like your outpost or your REI type mm-hmm. of situation where, you know, people can become members. Mm-hmm. Um and we all just basically work together to uh, keep this land really like up and running and making food for people. What is so, what does that entail? Like, what do you guys all do? I know you have agriculture out there. Yeah, so we have um, there's about like 40 acres on our property, and we buy, um, farm about f- just five right now. Okay, um, and that's like enough for like you know a handful of 
CSAs and then mm-hmm. some direct to restaurant sales. Mm-hmm. Um, people, so I'm obviously I know you and I know all these terms, but explain to people what a CSA is. Oh yeah, that's community supported agriculture. And what is what is that? So that is basically you're helping uh, agriculture business mm-hmm. like like our co-op. Sure. Um, and then you basically put the money up front, and then you get a bunch of food throughout the summer, you know, during the season. So you can get like a half share, a full share. We get a box full, like really full mm-hmm. <laughs> of fresh vegetables that we grew that week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys and deliver on a weekly basis? Yeah, we do. Yeah, weekly. And then, but then there's the, you know, half share. So people get it every other, every week. other week. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it depends on however that's timed out. But it, it, regardless, it's every week. Um, and we do make like everyone from that, from our co-op is like Milwaukee, you know, transplants to, from some point mm-hmm. in life. So a lot of it comes back down here. Like, I think we had a drop off at outpost just on the street here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, but the supported agriculture, it's like, if like somehow there's like a giant fire or like whatever, like you're kind of helping us out. It's almost right. like a GoFundMe, but you get like. Vegetables. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like it's like going to the farmer's market, but having the farmer's market come to you. Totally. Is what I explained it to people. Oh, exactly. And it's not like you don't necessarily get to pick and choose what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Like whatever is growing at that time of year, which I think is awesome, is, is what you get. So, you know, if it's summertime, you're getting like tomatoes and peppers and things like that. If it's moving into the fall, you're yeah. probably getting like things like squash or potatoes oh. or anything like that. But no, I think that, you know, I've done CSA in the past and I think it's... Um, it's I if you have the opportunity to participate in a CSA, like I cannot recommend yeah. it strongly enough on both sides of the house. Like I think you're getting like produce that is unmatched in quality, and you're also doing something to support like local independent agriculture, totally. which I think which is needs to happen. Absolutely <laughs> needs to happen. So okay, well, so let's talk about that for a second. So. Obviously, you know, you grew up on a farm. It's been sort of in your yeah. realm in one form or another. Obviously, you're getting back into it like more heavily now. Yeah, I can speak on that too. <laughs> um, but why, and again, I sort of want you to sort of just give your opinions on this. Why do you think it's so important to have that? Where do you see it right now? Where do you see it going? And what can people do to help support it? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, well, I'll go from the top about, yeah, I basically grew up out in the middle of nowhere and loved it and then kind of got a little angsty towards my <laughs> my my uh, latter half before I moved out of the house, right? I was like, I'm going to the big city. As is apt to happen. Yeah, and then, you know, been in the big city for a handful of years uh, and probably two handfuls. Um, and then we'll just constantly find myself back at my parents' house all the time. Right. I was like, damn it. I need to go back to the country. And right. then, yeah. So that's kind of how I found, you know, got the co-op. What was started. it that made you come back? What was it like? I mean, obviously <sighs> just you the... super well established in the city, careers blowing mm-hmm. up. And yet, despite that, you gravitated back. Yeah. Why? I mean, just the, the land, uh, what about that? I mean, I, I know what you mean, but like explain to people what you're trying to say. Yeah. So flesh it out. Being just being out in the land, having like learning it and having some kind of trial and error about figuring out stuff to do there. And then also just l- like the hardships of it too, like, you know, burning wood, 
you know, the food that we eat. Like last summer on our farm, we ate, I want to say like 80% of our meals were 100% there and it was meat heavy. It's amazing, isn't <laughs> so like, it though? Yeah, people like, like, oh yeah, this deer like was eating our crops and then now, you know, it's like this crazy inception of stuff that's going on. It's a circle of life, right? Yeah. It's like very, very much in your face and very sort of like tangible. Yeah, the I mean, just the amount of corn and soy is crazy when you see it all around, which is like some people could be like, oh, it's great deer habitat. But it's like when I – so those uh, egg tags, June, July, bellies full green. Mm-hmm. And then the two I got in the fall – so all corn beans mm-hmm. crazy yeah. but those deer that were eating like proper forage like their natural yeah stuff just tasted amazing right like that's well, like I mean, having it's... that difference was crazy well i mean is it any different than grass-fed beef yeah exactly yeah right yeah you know what i mean yeah totally people will be like oh like up north and then down like exactly people compare the those same thing yeah but um yeah, it's it's a weird world, but yeah, supporting like local stuff. Like if you already are buying tomatoes, like buy them from someone as close as possible versus Mexico. Right? <laughs> you know, like just like this just a smaller green like aside from like the whole like you know, world as a whole with like emissions and all that stuff, like that smaller footprints can be great, but it's also going to taste way better. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, the that's the thing too. It's like it's it's nothing tastes better than right off the vine or right off the tree. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked with people in the past where it comes to like, um, you know, like even just gardening. You know, like here in you know, I don't even know how big you know my yard is, but it's not that very big at all mm-hmm. here in the suburbs, and we grow tons of stuff. You know, we had we still have you know, squash, it's, you know, coming up on, we're getting ready to replant the garden and we still have squash and onions and garlic and potatoes from, from last season that just, we went through the whole year. And I just think, I think it's so important for people to, at least in some, even if it's in a small way to do that and to understand what it takes to take something from a seed to your plate. Mm -hmm. And for any number of different reasons, whether it's to understand just sort of like the cycle of life, the importance of like having good soil, clean environment, clean air, you know, all those things, but also like this, the, at least for me and for the people that I know, like the deep satisfaction of, of doing that. There's something like that really you have a hard time translating into words for actually growing your own food. Oh yeah. It's such a powerful thing. It's I've noticed too, like being on the road, yeah, forced to eat something crazy yep. quick, and you're just like, please let it be over soon, and then you just throw it down. You immediately regret it. You do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then, like having these like awesome community meals that are like huge with everything that was you know harvested within that. 40 acres is pretty insane and how much because all of the care like from the meat to the vegetables you know it's a, it's kind of like the whole time like the right time scale like you're prepping you're prepping you know you have a little bit of chill time in the winter where you're you know recuperating 
um, but then to care for it and then to like execute it onto a plate, like you like, if it's like you know some weird vegetable that I got some random place, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just do this into that. But it's like, oh, I remember this thing, and you're taking care of it more. It's that connection to yeah. it. And it's, like, and it is, it is great just to have a full grasp on it the whole time, like wh- whether it is meat or vegetables, and like knowing that it's like only been here, it's never left this place, and like, if something's like dirty or cut wrong, it's your fault, right? Which is great. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're just assuming ownership of the whole process. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always get a kick out of is when people will talk about like something that they're really passionate about, whether it's um. Pick whatever you want, like cycling or I don't know what, like snowboarding. And they're like, oh, it's a lifestyle. (laughs) Okay, no, and that it is. It is a lifestyle. But I'm like, you know what's also a lifestyle? Your life. Like how you like. It's not a season. Like what we talk about when it comes to like the hunting or the farming or all that kind of stuff, it's it is a lifestyle, but it's it's a lifestyle focused around quality of life. Like, and that's the thing that I don't think from people... other things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I grew this tomato. I canned this. To- I canned this tomato. I went out. I hunted this rabbit. I hunted this deer. I butchered mm-hmm. this animal. Like I, you know, jerked the meat or I froze it or I canned it or whatever. And then all of the people that I care about or many of the people that I care about came together and now we're all sitting down at the table. Like there, that's, I mean, soul food, that is soul food. Yeah. It's the ability to do those things and know that you invested yourself fully in them in the right way. And not about being perfect. I mean, for sure, embracing the failures as you go along, but in the end, having that moment where you sit down together and you experience like the literal fruits of your labors, man, like what could possibly be better than that? I, I just, I just think it's the greatest thing ever. And I, I really do try and encourage people to, to, even if you've never done it, begin to take the first initial steps or look to find someone who has done it and ask them if they're willing to mentor you. Yeah. Like it's it's it is possible. It's out there. You oh, just totally. have to like you know, initiate. Yeah. It's like a lot of people that are find it food important for sure. Um can kind of find that and yeah. are like are seeking it. Yeah. But what you're saying too, like we have work share programs that people are like like I was talking about like the mentorship. It's like the mentorship for farming where it's like Oh, I'm really curious about farming, but like I can't, you know, own a bunch of land and farm, and right. but I also want to contribute. But also, you in return, you get a bunch of like food. Yeah. So it's just you know your share is your food, and, yeah, and people that... people like tend to like doing that. It's pretty cool. Do you see uh, the the interest level in these things increasing? Um, I see. Mostly talk sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So not so much like execution or people will taste, have a taste of it, but maybe not like it. Okay. Seen that. All right. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So people like knowing that they want, you know, want to try something or want to provide something, but maybe, I don't know, like if 
found out that it maybe is a little bit harder work than I thought. Is you, you do you think it's that that pushes people off? Is the fact that because it is, I mean it absolutely is. It's, yeah. It's it's honest work. Yeah, and it's outside. It's sun. Yep. Or cold. <laughs> There's no. Or yeah. depending on if you're you know gardening or hunting or farming or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, 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 all of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, do you think thing. that? What is that? I mean, like, do you think people just are like soft? I I honestly I mean, I don't know, maybe I am getting older, but like maybe they just weren't like never experienced it before and it's so foreign to them that it makes them extremely uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. Cuz I yeah, I don't really, I don't really <laughs> Well, no, know. I mean I think that you're right. I like but but also there's no such thing as bad weather or just bad gear. It's true. I believe that. Very true. <laughs> like people well, no, that's not true. I believe that there's bad weather too, because I've definitely been out in plenty of it, and I've got real With good gear. gear. <laughs> I've been, in, I've been, in, I've, been, I've had real good gear, so and I've been in some terrible weather. weather where you're like, oh god, I don't know if we're getting out of this one. You know, it's yeah, like gets through the, to the oh, gear. Oh man, you're just like praying you're gonna make it that last half mile before you completely freeze solid. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, so. It's interesting to me that people romanticize a lot of these things, and they do. Like, I think that that's what leads, and not that there's anything wrong with it, because they are romantic pursuits, you know? Like, they're having taste of it. Yeah, but I think it's, I think, unfortunately, we live in a society where it's all about the end result and not about the journey to get there. And it's like a lot of instant gratification. Very much so. So I think that, honestly, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is that it's not like, oh, I'm going to the farm and I'm going to pick a ripe stru- like strawberry right away. Right. It's like, oh, wait, I have to dig a hole first? Do you feel like you've come <laughs> across any people that, like, that do get exposed to that, though, and then, like, further want to, like, immerse themselves in the process? Oh, for sure. People are like, yeah, we'll dive in and get really curious. Like someone maybe that would come in like mid-season or something. Yeah. Like, oh, I, w- I want to come back. You know, I'm going to come back next year or so right. the beginning of the season to see it through, you know, or like feel like they were missing something. And, and do they like, do it? Have you yeah. had people that do do well, that? Well, this, this, this will be our first year. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you've kind of opened this up now to like allow this sort of like mentorship program out there? I mean, basically just through the work share. Okay. Yeah. How do people get involved in that if people are curious so, about that? Is there, oh, I guess I should also say, like, is it a limited amount of space, like, people or yeah, places? Yeah, there is, for sure. Okay. Um, and I don't know what the current status is. But, yeah, we're, I'm part of Greenbush Growing Cooperative. Okay. Full name. And, and people can find that online, I presume? Yep. Just Google that and you'll get it. Okay. Um, and, yeah, we're in Plymouth, Wisconsin, so about like okay. an hour north of Milwaukee. Okay. So, yeah. I, would I, I think that commute, too, is pretty... Pretty deterring to some people too. God, at least the, come the, on now. The people from from Milwaukee area. Nah, I mean, like I did fourteen hours in the truck the other day, you know. So an hour, do that standing <laughs> at my head. Yeah, and we got plenty of places for tents. There you go. <laughs> so who are most of the like? If you like, is there? Do you get a broad spectrum of the people that come out and like are interested in learning about these things, or is it is it? You know, is it a younger crowd, older crowd, guys, girls? Like, how does it break down? Is it everybody? It's kind of everyone. It's kind of the, like, I mean, not, like, 20s, 30s. Sure. And then that's kind of, like, what's been going on. Okay. But, like, also, like, the neighbors. Like, it's just, it's a bigger community. Like, we're growing, and we're growing closer. Like, our next-door neighbors are, 
amazing and a part of our lives a lot now. Sure. And they're like 60s, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of, it's all over the place. And it's super, like, inclusive. Like, everyone is invited and everyone's going to feel welcome. So that's a, that's a really cool thing, I think, that, like, community building is... You know, it ties, I think everything in one form or another ties directly into what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, where it used to be, um, for example, like, you know, where our family's farm is, is, um, it used to be a very, very tight farm community, right? Everybody knew everybody, right? And then that kind of fell away. And I think that with a lot of these mega farms, right? With these corporate farms that you, you lost yeah. that. That's kind of what we were talking about before. Exactly. Right? But I, I'm heartened to see that I think slowly things are moving back in the right direction where it is about the community and you don't need to have how many 10,000 acres that, you know, that's, you're missing out on something there and that you have people that are like, no, I do want to know my neighbors. I do want to be like more involved and teach or whatever. And so I'm, I really dig that when people like yourself are talking about the fact that, yeah, we're bringing people out and we know our neighbors and you know, like we're working collaboratively, oh, I think yeah. is what I'm talking about. For sure. But yeah, that's like a big, like a big thing. It's just the local, like independent farms. Cause like it needs to happen from like a sustainability standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think a wildlife standpoint, mm-hmm. cause they're loving all kind, like all the kinds of nooks and crannies that we're creating like in our land and like the biggest like we're not taking over well you're not just like you're not raising the ground and yeah. flattening everything and cutting every tree down and, we're feeding and a lot filling of every creek in. well it's like you go to some places and like you said we have 40 acres mm-hmm. and maybe we farm just a little yeah some of it right let's call it 20 even but the other 20 acres is in its natural form, but that also sustains the land. You go to these places where it's just the same monoculture as far as you can see to the horizon, and you're like, this cannot be a good idea. And that's been going on for like... For decades. Least, yeah. For decades. I mean, probably coming up on the better part of 100 years. I was years. just going to say, I was like, it's not quite a century, but maybe. It's getting close. You Actually, I mean? probably. Oh, man. Even industrial-wise, oh my God. It's just <laughs> crazy when you think about that. And you're like, there's no way. Like, how anybody, and it's all profit-driven, which yeah. is what just, I mean, that's obviously, that's a Pandora's it's box crazy. to open. Yeah, that's, an all. I've dealt, like, have done a lot of, like, agriculture in, like, my advertising yeah. career yeah. and, like, big ag. Yeah. And it's crazy to take a peek under some stuff. Man, you do not want to pull the covers back on that bed. You really, you don't. You don't. Because there's nothing good to see there. You know, well, I mean. Well, there, the, it's surprising. Yeah, I guess that that's, I can't paint with that broad a brush. But like. But like, but just in this, if we're talking just land management wise, right? Like my, so like my folks place, we, my neighbor, who's like my best friend, mm-hmm. um, his father, farms like five of our ink five acres behind my parents' place, like okay. our property. Yeah. But then in return, we get to hunt like his 80. Yeah. Like fun, simple deal. Right. Um, And that man, like, full-blown, just like kind of probably breaking even 
but mm-hmm. like he's farming a lot of the land around and then there's like crazy industrial like Walmart of farms that are like taking out like over Kansas yeah and just like kicking everyone else out and like monopolizing I just think that's gross man I just yeah, think I think it's I mean there's certainly an you know you can you can say well it's a more efficient way of farming or this and that but I just think that's, you're that's sacrificing it. your soul right you're just if you're if all you're trying to do is be it's all about efficiency and profit like i just think that in the end i just think that that story has a terrible ending you know i just don't think that that's the right way to do it and i think that everything that we're experiencing now as far as food quality right or or the effects on the land mhm i mean you can point to any number of different things it's just not the way to go yeah but yeah, community supported agriculture. <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that more people will move in that direction going forward? I, I would hope so, and I, I kind of see it kind of happening. But I feel like it's just people are oblivious still. They're grocery How? store oblivious. What do you mean by that? Like. Going, it's the same thing that I always thought about, like people that eat meat. Okay. Number one, people that eat meat get it straight up on a plate cooked. Like the most, the majority of meat eaters. Right. Eat it from a restaurant. Okay. And then the second tier is going to be the styrofoam. Right. Right. Sure. You know, saran wrap. Yep. Um, Where, yeah. So you like get it on a little plate that like looks like a meat, like little steak or whatever mm-hmm. and then just the disconnect um from that so even if you go from a tomato right where people are like oh yeah i need tomatoes today grab it they're not gonna look at it where was this from if you go to any kind of mainstream grocery store it's gonna be probably not that great right yeah so they're just gonna be like oh yeah tomato like they're looking at it like a checklist right tomatoes meat whatever you know they're not really thinking about where they're getting this because it's just right there and like one pass by on a cart. Why do you think that people don't think more about that? That's like, a, that might be like a dated, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it's because people don't appreciate how cool it can be. Like, There's a lot of times that people want to always like see something like that and look at it as a, from a negative for like people don't care. I, and Certainly that may be the case for some people. But I always try to take things with a little bit more of a positive spin, which is to say that maybe people just don't know. That's what I think. And what I mean by that is, so yesterday I'm sitting down with uh, you know my buddy and we're just kind of catching up and his, his son is there. And I started talking with his boys, boys about six. And he asked me what I did. And I said I was getting, you know, I was working in the yard and the garden and getting everything ready. And he said... I would love to grow tomatoes. This is a little six-year-old boy. And I was oh, like, nice. no problem. I said, I will bring you three tomato plants. I'll put them in pots for you, and we'll put them on the back patio, and you're going to be in charge of growing these tomato plants, and then you'll have fresh tomatoes all summer. I just think that people have never been exposed in the right way to the entire food scene. You were just talking. Totally. You're on the road. For example, I'm on the road the other day. I like quality food, right? But where 
In a pinch. On yeah. the road, are you going to go for anything that even resembles quality? I mean, we were laughing. Like a buddy of mine pulled in to uh, to a gas station. And you walk into a gas station, it's all garbage. I mean, it really is. It's just fat or sugar in one form or another. It's just garbage. It's not even food. Yeah. And everything save water in the coolers is some sort of sugary something or other. And so, like, if you don't, if you didn't grow up like you did with parents that farm or parents like mine that farmed and gardened, you just, you don't even know what's out there. Like, you can't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I came from a grocery store background. Okay. So, my my mother's side was all grocers. Oh, okay. So, like, that perspective. And that I think that's what I'm thinking when it comes to, like, how, like, your question of, like, what are people doing? Why don't they, yeah. you know, care? I think it's just the, it's almost like the old mentality of like, oh, here's a Coke, I'm going to get a Coke. Right. Here's a tomato, I'm going to get a tomato. Right. When it's like, oh, that's not a tomato. That's not a Coke. Right. You know? Do you think but that like, if people just... got, had the opportunity to make the choice, if they knew there was a choice to make, do you think that people would make the right choice? And what I mean by that is, would you be willing to spend a few cents more on something that was locally grown, organically grown, you know, like, and, and of a higher quality? Or do you not care what comes from it all? Do you not care what it tastes like at all? And do you just want it on the cheap? And I think you could say that there would be people that would fall into both camps. Oh, for sure. That'd probably be a split. But, like, for example, I mean, here in town, like, Outpost, mm-hmm. Right. When I first moved up here, I didn't even know that it existed. And then there was... Yeah, it took me a while, too. Right? And then a friend of mine introduced, like, hey, you know, you should come check this place out. And, you know, I was big into being fit and healthy and these kinds of things. And I went there, and this was about the time that I started reading up on sort of, like, the food chain. Mm -hmm. And, like... Mm -hmm big ag and like what they do to like where, where your meat comes from and all these things. And you're like, wow, like, I don't think I want to do that. And then you went to this grocery store was a co-op, like you said, and their stance was like in the, in the very extreme opposite direction where we locally source our stuff and we don't believe in like, you know, meat with hormones or like, vegetables ridden with pest, you know, riddled with pesticides or anything like that. Yeah. And yes, our products are more expensive, but of a higher quality. I think it always kills me that people are willing to pay more money for like a high quality car. Oh yeah. But not like a pay more money for a high quality food. And yeah. you're like, you're not going to eat your car, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, maybe that's the case is they can show off their car in their driveway or driving around town, but then that food becomes poop. Uh, yeah, I suppose like that means so that there's like the peacocking element. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that maybe that that's the come case. Down, come walk, walk down with your like, this is local <laughs> with your little grocery bag down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, hopefully people are starting to sort of reevaluate like what their priorities yeah, are. Or if you so. have kids, you're like, what are you feeding your that, kids? That's huge. I feel like. Right. Yeah. But also just, I think for the way that you feel like you ain't going to buy your health back. You know, you might want to think about what you're putting inside of your body. So I don't know. I think, you know, and you mentioned that you guys are just starting to sell to like some of the local restaurants, which I yeah. think is 
absolutely awesome yeah. and key. And they're like keen on that, like even you know before we were like born. Like these yeah. restaurants are like doing that before, you know. Absolutely, which is rad. I think that here in Milwaukee, I think that that's probably one of the cities that I would point to as like a leader. Oh yeah, of for sure. that. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a few cities around the country that are really heavily invested in like supporting local producers. Yeah. Like I was just having uh, dinner down at uh, La Miranda, which is oh uh, yeah, I love that place. Oh my god, I been, and I used uh, to live right down the road from there. Yep, had a chance to uh, you know meet and talk with the chef for the while. The Ooh, nice. guy that I was having uh, dinner with is a sommelier. He's actually been on the podcast before, a dude by the name of Nate Norfolk. And um, chef came out, and uh, we sat for a while and just talked and all about this. And he was like adamant about the need for supporting local agriculture because he said you know he's looking to make the highest quality product that he can in mm-hmm. the kitchen mm-hmm. and to do that he needs to have the highest quality ingredients mm-hmm. and anybody that's into the food scene like you know you and i like to get out there and hunt and farm and all this kind of stuff but i also know that we love to be in the kitchen to yeah. take all those things that we grew in the field or hunted in the forest and bring them together in this amazing combination on a plate. And so I think, yeah, I just, I'm enthralled by the whole thing, and I just, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out, at least in my lifetime. Yeah. But it, hopefully it does, because I think it is it is gearing that way. I mean, people are recognizing, like, the importance of the land and the food. Um, but, yeah, it's just that effort, like we were talking about. Anything of that you all know, of it is gonna be worthwhile is gonna is yeah. gonna take effort for sure. Physical and emotional. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What do you have coming up like this year? What do you got coming up for the summer? Like um, what's what's on the docket? Well it, the tiny house, which I think we We kinda we, we touched on that I think before we got into <laughs> this. So like let's talk let's talk about the tiny house because that's yeah. I'm super I'm super <laughs> keyed up on this. I love this. Um, and break us break it walk us through this from step one because most people I don't think have any idea what you're talking about yeah so my wife and I are building a tiny house on wheels okay and basically the trailer size and the house size is going to be the maximum that it can be before you need to pull special permits for the Department of Transportation okay so you know limit on the width and the height right. stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so it's a big tiny house okay it's big as uh, tiny houses go. As tiny houses go. Okay. On so wheels. how how big is a tiny? So what's a big tiny house on wheels? A big one would be like ten by fourteen by forty. Okay. That'd be huge. Now, like I know what you're talking about, but I'm playing devil's, oh, devil's advocate yes, for, yes, for yes, people yes. that don't know. So everybody's listening right now, and they're like, a tiny house on wheels. They're like, dude, you're talking about a trailer. Yeah. But Which it's kind of that, but it's not exactly that yeah so it's um basically just super so the only thing i didn't make myself was the trailer itself okay I had a custom made sure during the pandemic when yeah. it was, where i was like oh i can live in a tiny house now because mm-hmm. i can work remotely and be wherever um had that made you know super back ordered production line all that stuff me and my best buddy went out and got it in pennsylvania which was hilarious. And don't go that way because of the tolls. Because I came back with three more axles. I didn't think that through. Right? Could have had it delivered for cheaper, maybe. Hindsight's 2020. <laughs> Still a fun event. My buddy was a big, 
he's a, he really into like zombie films and okay. like Pennsylvania is like chock full of scenes. Really? Yeah. We <laughs> that's a whole another podcast. <laughs> well, hold on. We got. I have. I need to explore this. It's like Shaun of the Dead. Is all filmed in like Pennsylvania? All, yeah, like a bunch of Pennsylvania zombie movies. Really? Yeah. All right. So Fun we fact. It, I yeah, had no idea. Anyway, came back. So it's just trailer. Sure. Tongue, the thing that connects to your vehicle. Yeah. Uh, the, our trailer has three axles. Mm-hmm. So. A set of six tires. Right. Um, and then it was just all just steel. Okay. You know, all the way around. So that was where we started. And then we put the floor in, so like insulated like the actual metal parts. Yep. And then put a whole new floor on and then subfloor. Mm-hmm. And then the next step we did was framing of it. Okay. Um, and then including the sheet. So like it's just basically, you know, two by fours, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we kind of let it sit for a couple, like a month, and then we did all of the siding and roofing. Okay. And then we also did the loft, so there's a couple lofts. So the whole thing is like 224 square feet. Okay. Um, and then... And what do you have on the inside of it? Like you have a place to sleep, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So walks so, through the inside. For sure. So currently, it's just kind of bare bones. Okay. There's no, It's not finished yet, so... You know, non-insulated walls. We kind of ran electrical, whatever. Walk us through what it will be. Thank you. Okay. Not a problem. <laughs> I'm just, I'm always thinking about, because this is my, <laughs> one of my candles burning. It's like, I got to get this done. My goal is to have it done this year. Anyway. So in, inside, you walk in, big old room, 10 foot ceiling. Oh my God. Right. Um, <laughs> gotta have room for those deer heads, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of windows, so I don't even know. Well, they hang on the outside. Um, you go to the right, there's, we did stairs. Okay. Um, because... Of our dog. Okay. I, I wanted my dog to go up there. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of you know, places have ladders and stuff. So stairs up to the main bedroom, whatever. We're, we'll have like a queen size bed up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then underneath is like full kitchen. Okay. Which is prior to this, the farmhouse that I live in now, mm-hmm. I always had crappy kitchens. Okay. Like super small, everything. Like, why is the stove here? Why is that there? So it's like. It's just going to be like a full kitchen, nice. full fridge, full stove, uh, full, uh, you know, sink or whatever. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be small, but it's all laid out well. Right. So everything, it'll it's actually functional. be kind of nice. Oh, yeah. It'd be, yeah. So food is key. Yeah. All underneath. Um, and then on the other side is another loft, which will be a guest loft. Okay. Kind of, AKA probably all my gear. Because I'm still struggling where to put that. Hope your wife's not listening to this. Yeah, well, she already knows. <laughs> I'm going to have to hide it somewhat. I'm just like, yeah. Just basically a bunch of pelican cases. There you go. Hunting and video and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and then underneath that is the bathroom. Okay. So I'll have shower, sink, and then uh, toilet. So, okay. Yeah. And then basically we're, right when you walk in, there's going to be, we're, we have like this awesome wood stove I found. Oh, I'm so stoked about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's super small. The cutting of it's gonna be kind of silly, mm-hmm. but it's gonna heat the house great and like not take up a big footprint, which is pretty pretty They've awesome. They've got some amazing stuff out there. I think that, you know, with people getting more and more into like minimalist living or like the tiny houses and things like that, you've had all these sort of new companies come up to like mm-hmm. if if there's a need, someone's gonna fill that need with yeah. whatever it might be. Oh, for sure. Um, and some of those little wood burners. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. It was great. I talked to the owner mm-hmm. on the phone because I was like, which, because he had two models and one, and I'm, I'm always on the side of like getting the bigger one. Sure. Just in case. Right. 
and he was like, "Ah, you're gonna you're gonna heat yourself out with that one. Yeah. I get this little one. Uh, it's amazing he, how much heat those things put out. Yeah, it's incredible. My folks had a, a wood burner in uh, in our house, and if you would get that thing roaring, I mean, it would it would almost be too hot to to be in the room. Yeah, and it was a big room. You know, you'd be sweating through your that's shirt. That's what. Uh, that's how my folks' place is like. Is they have my dad put a wood stove in like the traditional brick fireplace. Yeah. And it's like my mom would be like, "Oh, it's cold," and they're like, "Oh, okay, we'll start a fire." She'd be like, "Oh, it's too hot." <laughs> Sounds exactly <laughs> like, like my fi- mother. And then like trying to figure out, and it is like it's like because I for a long time was just always deer hunting there. Yeah. So I was just constantly freezing my ass off. Yeah. In the winter, and it'd be like fire 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 and then i get home and then like i'm like oh but wait i have to take off all these layers yep. so i'd like get into shorts and a t-shirt be freezing to go, to go into the living room yeah man it was rad it's a good it, problem it for sure i think um it, it's interesting i think when you start getting into these things when you realize how little you need you need to have the basics but there, there's so many things that like we have these days that like you don't need that Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, I go out for you know several weeks during the fall, and I got one of those teepee tents mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Oh, did you get the with the stove in it? The Gifaro Eight Man. See, is it the Seek? No, uh, not Seek. No, it's just the Eight Man teepee. Nice. But it's basically it's got one of these. Um, I tell you what, the guys at that co- and girls at that company, my God, what an amazing all their stuff is incredible that's rad you know like uh aaron snyder is the guy that's in charge of that but what's the, uh, what's the name again kafaru kafaru it right. means uh like rhinoceros in swahili yeah. yeah yeah so it's like k-i-f-a-r-u mm-hmm. but man when you want to talk about good that. gear so well I, in the past when i'd go out i'd always have like these little like two-man half dome mm-hmm. things and it was fine but you know, you got a three-day pack, your bow, whatever, and it's it's doable for sure. But you'd like to have a little bit more room, and also like trying to get dressed in that thing, especially if you're oh, putting yeah. on like you know like cold weather gear. It's a it's a little cumbersome. Yeah. And so I had seen this stuff before, and uh, seen it on a couple videos, and um, you know who Donnie Vincent is? Oh, for sure. Okay, so if Love you've ever seen, oh. Such a good dude. Yeah. Such a good dude. And a cinematographer, like his company. I dude. They're right over there. I want to like go talk to them. For sure. He's still <laughs> up in Hudson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like that guy's stuff. Yeah. His films and the fact that he does what that, he that's, does. That's what I was talking about That when we were talking about filmmaking. Like where it's like direct. Stuff, it's great. Man, if, for everybody who's listening, if you want to know what like hunting and the mm-hmm. wild and wilderness and videography when it's all done right and when it all comes together, he is the best. I can't even imagine what would be better yeah. than what he does. Yeah, he's right. So that guy, if I ever had the chance to meet that dude, like I would definitely buy him a beer and be like, hey, man, like, <laughs> good job. For sure. Such a good dude. Anyway, but um, it was in some of his videos that I saw that because he's, you know, I think he oh, was. Oh, yeah, it right? was that. He's, the, like, based out in Alaska. He's, like, on some river basin or something like that, and he's snowed in or whatever. I yeah. forget which one. But and he was doing some stuff on the plains, too, with that yeah. same gear. He's rocked that. I mean, he's he's been a fan of that as far he, as I know. That's, pa- like, Pax he rocks, too, right? Or uh, not Pax? Could be. They, be oh, yeah, stuff. they make some awesome they do, yeah. packs. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah they cool. make really, really good packs. Um, 
but uh, so I looked into this and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna check out. And so I ended up getting one a couple years ago. But in addition to having this this teepee tent, which packs down real easy and is awesome. Yeah, the like a foldable titanium little the stove. rod that runs. But they have, yeah, they have this little this box stove, uh-huh. which is it it breaks down. It's it's nothing. You can put it in your pack, whatever, and it folds out. It's kind of the size of like a large shoe box. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this collapsible chimney that you run through the top of your tent. It's amazing. That's it rad. is amazing. I mean, we have been in like some frigid temperature, and you are snug as a bug. In these tents, and they they just and you burn. can actually dry your clothes. You dry your shit. clothes. <laughs> you can like actually like heat stuff up on top of the stove. It's flat. You can get like a little like fry pan or like your coffee or whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, it's the greatest thing in the world. And like you know, like if you've been out all day long, like humping it through the mountains, and you're cold and wet and exhausted, to be able to come back to a tent and to dry off and be mm-hmm. warm is the greatest thing in yeah. the world. Drying is like the key. It is for me whenever I'm doing that kind of stuff. Oh man, that was on the the beginning of the pandemic uh, when I kind of decided to get out of the city. Yeah, is I was just like I'm going to my parents' place. Yeah, and I set up my dad, and it was like before we knew what anything was. Yeah, which looking back at it's like oh that was kind of silly we did this, but it was really fun. But we I set up my dad's like uh, six person mountain mountain tent, so it was like the big one, like you know five bags. Yeah, and then we had like. He has like a bigger collapsible thing, so this is like everything you just talked about, yeah. but way bigger, and, okay. you, and you need a truck for it. Okay. And we set that up, and me and my wife lived in that, yeah. like in the spring, and we had fires going all the time, and like just like, and like we were just doing that for like a couple months. It was so awesome, right? It was great, and it's like one of those things you'll never forget. Yeah. It's and, I'm telling you, man. It's like the, yeah. the adventure of life. I think that mm-hmm. you know one of the things that you and I have always like talked about and, and connected on is the fact that like. People just need to get out of the house. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we didn't have, like, a TV or internet out there or whatever. And you didn't miss it either. No. Like, you great. just didn't miss it. Yeah. I was just talking with somebody the other day, and they said that, you know, all of the, the quote-unquote issues that we have as a society right now are only because we don't actually have real issues. Yeah, we're making them up. We're just making them up. <laughs> Honestly, which is insane. Like, it, no other time in history can you point to a society and you're like, you guys have it so easy that you're actually making trouble for yourselves. I mean, it just makes no sense. Instead of like, oh, I'm going to try and figure out like this problem. I'm going to try and figure out how to cure this disease or we're going to try and like address like this, whatever it might be. You're like, oh, why isn't my DoorDash here? I mean, it's honestly, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'm for real. You know, like I had, I've had some buddies that have come back, you know, from overseas, like whatever it was that they were doing, a couple tours, Afghanistan, Iraq, and they, you went from like literally living in the dirt and hoping that you didn't die to people arguing over the fact that they didn't get enough shots of espresso in their coffee. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know how you how you rectify that. Yeah. Well, I think it's just people. I don't. Know, I mean, that's just some people's behavior is looking for that conflict. I mean, again, that, I think it just goes back to like what you said. It's people are people are just too soft. It's just too easy. Yeah. I think too, that, and it can't be. It needs to be easier. 
Right. Oh yeah. It, like for, for some people, it could never be easy enough. Yeah. Like I don't. Well, I, I don't can't. even want to have to eat this food. I want you to like somehow like chew my food for me and <laughs> like just somehow stomach. get it into my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I think that you know I don't want to disparage anyone, but I I just can't be around people like that. I just find that whole oh, yeah. thing it's, just like I like I have literally. I mean, just in the past, just got up and like walked away. You, I, it's, it's like it's bickering over nothing. Right. And it's like, or someone yeah. asked me what I want, like asked my opinion or something, and I was like, look at him, like, I don't even just, have well, one. I just walk away. I don't, they don't even engage. say words. I don't even want to engage. No, for sure. And I think that, you know, I think um, I like, or I'll do the opposite and I'll push push someone's buttons <laughs> yeah <laughs> intentionally knowing what you're doing right see, see them rile up see if we can see un- what the real problem is see if we can unravel that that ball yarn <laughs> but i think one of the things that like i enjoy about like all of the pursuits of like the guys and the girls that we know and call our friends is you can really tell something about somebody if you're like if you call me up and you're like hey i i need you to we we got a plant so and so many acres. I need you to be here. Mm-hmm. You can find out a lot about that person if they show up and if oh, they're willing totally. to like actually do that work with you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that like as you said, they pay the lip service to it. Oh, hey, I really want to get into this. You're like, great, let's show up. You know, like let's do this. Here's a yeah. shovel, right? Yeah, and we're gonna be out in the field for the next 16 hours. Yeah, right. Okay, well, that's the litmus test. You're really going to figure out if someone, like, how bad do you want to do this? If you really want to do it, you're going to be here with me. If you just talk, then you're not going to be here with me. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with hunting, too. Like, you really want to hunt? Okay, here we go. In the end, you find out it's a very small percentage of people that actually want to put in the work. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, man. So, I really appreciate you coming by, brother. Yeah, for and, sure. And, uh... I will definitely look forward to hearing about uh, how the tiny house comes together. Oh yeah, I'll show you some pictures and uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to coming up and uh, and seeing the co-op this summer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, once the summer hits, it'll be fun up there for sure. Absolutely. And there's a lot of people that'll you know just make it lively. It'll be cool. And at the end of the summer, we're gonna have to get back together, do this again before hunting season comes oh, off, yeah. and we both get out there in the woods. Yeah, I gotta. I we, unfortunately I won't have the egg tags this year, so I'll have to go back to the standard. Bow bow season being really crucial. Oh, it's all right. So, you get it done. No, I'm excited about it. I just reset up my bow. So did you really? Yeah, I gotta. I gotta go actually shoot it. Okay. Uh, hey man, you got the whole summer coming it's, up. It's like brand new. So. Oh really? Well, not really. I mean, it's just it's just shooting new. Okay. It's just shooting new, so I just got to figure it out. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, man, like it's that the, ne- the never-ending journey, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That's probably the phone. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, website is www.modernsavagenation.com, and uh, you can find us on Instagram at, uh, at Modern Savage Nation. So we appreciate you, and uh, do me a favor, uh, Cole, tell everybody again about uh, where they can find the co-op. Yeah, it's uh, greenbushgrowingcooperative.com. And then, yeah, you can CSA shares and or work shares and or just come hang out and get to know us. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. See you.